Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about running the KB band and we have part three of our interview with Oliver Smith from CityWire. Welcome to this week's edition of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a man who ran a half marathon with the cold and flu. It's Chris James. I, 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 am, I am a bit flu today and I'm joined by a girl who put some clothes on for this podcast it's charlotte how are you it was a really warm day today it was and i was wearing clothes they just weren't <coughs> appropriate you know podcast is an audio only for uh format didn't you? With, with video chatting i felt it was at least appropriate to put a vest top on instead Definitely. of just sitting in my bra and my comfort i mean shorts. we won't talk about the fact that russell uh oh no actually let's introduce producer russ um here's a man who uh has learned recently what to wear on a Zoom call. It's Russell James. <laughs> this is very true. Do you want to share this story, Russell, or should no, we no. just glaze over it? Uh, I think we'll glaze over that one. Yeah, um, yeah we will. Um, but yeah, I did do a half marathon today. Um, I am a bit cold and flu I got round. It wasn't my best time, uh, but I did get to run around the Olympic Park, which in, in London, uh, not in Tokyo, Um I, I, I wouldn't mind doing the Tokyo Olympic Park, actually. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, I managed... mean, there's still active users <coughs> at moment, unfortunately. Yeah, managed to run around the Olympic Park. Um, finished uh, at the home of West Ham London Stadium. It was all good. Uh, and uh, the cold that I seem to have pushed off... Uh, during the run has sort of come back now so join us um join us yeah we've all been sick now we've all we've all got a bit cold and fluid this week so uh, it's it's all good but uh what i'd like to mention is big news big news now russ was super excited for it russ weren't you <laughs> russ after <laughs> a year of working too can't work mute how are you doing, Russ? What are you excited about this week? It's one of them days today, so yeah, I was excited, really excited to see how well our numbers are going. So, uh, do you want who's, who wants to share it? Who wants to share it? So, we are we're doing really well. Okay, I'll share we're, it. <laughs> uh, we we're doing really well. There, there was a there was a specific milestone we hit that we were all quite excited about, and that's a, I feel like I'm you know when you would use to go to school when you were young, and the like teachers asked you a question, you go this, and you're sniffing all the time. Um, I'm just. Oh, I thought you were going to make a comment about group projects where you got the really confident one who always speaks and the. The people who just work on the path. <laughs> well, I'm normally the really confident one who speaks, but I just feel like the really confident one who speaks, who's also reverted back to being 12 and has got a little cold. Um, so we hit a thousand downloads a day. Um, was it is was it a day or just on one specific day? It's one on one specific day. day. But the trend is growing and growing. So, so thank you. We we hit that thousand in one day, hmm. but we've also had a milestone for the week 
which is 2,500. 2,500 weight. There we nice. go. Um, so thank you to all our new listeners who uh, are sticking with us. <coughs> um, hopefully you hopefully you rejoin the podcast. Um, we appreciate your support. Um, and if you were part of the thousand who downloaded on Wednesday, let us know. We'd like to just say thanks personally. Um, so you can get in touch with us in the following methods. Oh, <coughs> oh you as well. Leave off, I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, it's at Ola Kindness. If you want to get in touch with on Facebook, you just type Kindness Project into the search bar and it should come up. If you type the Kindness Project into Google, it should be the first thing that comes up. But if not, the website is www.kindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to email us, it's Ola at thekindnessproject.co.uk. Unfortunately, we don't really use anything else. No, and if you'd like to be coughed and spluttered at and sniffed at, just listen oh, to this right, episode again. Yeah, yeah turn up turn up around our house and we'll we'll happily do that for you. We will we will give you, I mean I don't want to cough in your face with like a global pandemic coming on, but I will give you a personalized sniff. <laughs> Is that a What's thing, Russ? <laughs> huh? What's your address? I mean no. we're not sharing the address on the podcast. That's a step too far. <laughs> um uh, right. I mean they could just Google us um, probably online somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, are you try are you are you trying to are you trying to incentivize people to Google our address so they can turn up around their house? Well I was trying to incentivize people to Google us specifically, not Well Google the kindness project. <laughs> um Google write us some dames. Put it put it with a search term um teeth. Um <laughs> I don't know why, because he's he's got amazing teeth when he puts them in. Um teethless. Teethless, teethless. Um uh, if you're Googling Charlotte, uh, what terms do they use to find you the most? Funky. Funky. Funky Charlotte Dames. <laughs> Russ, this is like a band name. Funky Charlotte Dames. Russ the Teeth Dames. Go on in, chaps. What's my nickname? You know, if you Google my name, your name, your pictures come up. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm all over the internet. Um, uh, what's my what's my nickname? Just Chris. Chris. Just Chris. Just I'm taking that. I like that. Is what you say, Chris? The ball patch stones. Well, you can always go with what me and Soph call you sometimes. What's that? Evil King Crystal. Uh, well, there's two nicknames I've got. I've got Evil King Christoph the Turd after done after I did that weird impression to to make you two laugh, um, and Papa Smurf. Yeah, it, you know what it sounds like. It sounds like a seventies style psychedelic band. I, de- I definitely like. think you should go for that. Run the marathon all, all in blue. <laughs> what a Smurf with a white with a white boiler. <coughs> Yeah, I'm glad you didn't went for blue and not a darker colour, Russ, because that's not allowed anymore, all right? We are not going down that road. Um, but can I, before we move on, and I think we should swiftly move on before we get ourselves into too much trouble, Charlotte. Um, can I make a recommendation? Uh, ladies and gents, if you've got Disney Plus, 
Um, there is an amazing documentary on Disney Plus at the minute called The Summer of Soul. The revolution will not be televised about a um, about the Harlem Cultural Festival that happened in 1969, and they had just these amazing lineup of bands play free in this park in uh, uh, in Harlem. Uh, give it a watch. Uh, I think you can get it on Amazon, but it's available on Disney Plus if you've got a subscription. We are not sponsored by Disney Plus. We're not sponsored. <laughs> We're not sponsored from the stop, but at a thousand downloads a time, we might, we might find a sponsor that might want to do it soon. Um, uh, not, that, not that we're worried. Um, and we will, um, uh, yeah, definitely give that a watch because it is an amazing insight into uh, a period that I don't remember uh, uh, particularly, but, you know, and uh, you forget how much amazing music came out in the late 60s, early 70s. It was just incredible. Um, Ross, what's your TV tip of the week? This is new, isn't it? What's the... TV tip of the week. Can I'm, you do I'm, jingle for that? I'm, I'm not sure about TV, because uh, I don't watch much TV. Okay. Uh, I mean, any piece of media that you've been consuming will do. Book, podcast... Only enough, I've got all the media. I've got Disney Plus, I've got Netflix, never use them. What's the point of paying for them then? They come with me Sky Package. <laughs> what, have you got <laughs> a Sky <laughs> Package? <laughs> yeah. Why have you got a Sky Package? You've done much work to do. I've got Sky. Right. And the, the main channels I watch are terrestrial channels. Been it. Get free view. Oh, That's do what you I'm watch saying. Food Chat? Food Network. I love Food Network. What's your favourite channel Food Network? I watch Barefoot Contessa on there sometimes. Oh, the Barefoot Contessa's not bad. That's the name of our band. (laughs) Right, hold on. How about this, right? Funky Charlotte Dames, Russ the Teeth Dames, and Papa Smurf are the Barefoot (laughs) Contessa's. What do we reckon? <laughs> or the Barefoot Contessa fan club. What do we reckon? Yeah. We having that? Or we could just go with TKP and hope for the best. TKP? What's our first song going to be, though? Sorry? What's our first song going to be? We're just writing songs about food. Yeah. I mean, I'm mainly going to write... I had a great last night! <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Pizza Hut. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write one about cheese. 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 Put some cheese with my toast in the toaster. Didn't go over well. And then I was lactose after that meal. <laughs> Are you two? Are you two all right? Right. Oh, this is this is the latest game. I love this. I'm gonna name it. Russ, you're first, right? I'm going to name... I don't know why I've, I've picked scissors up, but I'm pointing about you, but I'm going to name a, uh, uh, an ingredient or a food. Yeah. You've got to make a song out of it. You ready? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say milkshake, but there's already <laughs> one, there's already one about that. Um, Garlic. No, I do the... I pick the thing. Wait. Banana. Banana, banana. I think I'm getting a little banana. <laughs> Perfect. 
Perfect. Right, your turn. Your turn. You ready? You ready? Charlotte's turn. Uh, we are going to pick the word and the thing. What can I see in the kitchen? Um, um, uh, mint tea. Some nice mint tea. Well, Mum thought it was fancy. Sorry, are you starting the song? Is it not? Oh, oh. um, yeah. My my song is going to start with a little monologue, and then a little monologue talking about I made some mint tea. The other like part life. Yeah, I made some mint tea. <laughs> right, right, right. Start, uh, <laughs> start yourself. You got to make it strong, steep it long, make some mint tea. Steep it. <laughs> Right, yeah, okay. that's what you. That's what you. Put my eggs on this. Tim, we are we are missing yeah. a trick. We are missing a trick. Got it. Last one to top it off. I want you to do garlic. <laughs> Unless you're a vampire, garlic's rather fun. But put it in your food. Don't stick it. Ah, uh, you're not uh, right. No, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. This has got too silly now. Let's crack on with the show. Now, we kindness news is back. You do know that because can I just say a massive thank you? I know she's not in the room. A massive thank you to um Kelly. Let's talk about kindness news. Kindness news. Uh, uh we uh Oh, sorry, you're done. 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 <laughs> Kindness news, I love garlic. Um, youth is fighting microplastic pollution with magnetic liquid after winning Google Science Fair. A young Irishman has come up with his own, his own cool sciencey method to solve the microplastic uh, pollution conundrum, winning Google's International Science Fair in the process. By mixing magnetised iron oxide and vegetable oil, Vegetable oil? <laughs> vegetable oil? Vegetable oil. He created a kind of liquid magnet that collects microplastics, which can then be removed via magnetism, leaving only glistening water behind. There's nothing like growing up in a pristine environment to galvanise a person to its defence. And a feature on young film Ferrero from the South of Ireland details how, since the age of 12, he's been looking to find a solution for their hard-to-clean microplastics. He knew accompanied the growing amount of plastic garbage that tended to wash up on the beaches he frequented during childhood. I was at our beach and I saw a rock and it had oil spill residue on it and stuck this to this oil spill residue with, with plastic particles, said Fion, in a video presentation for the, the Plastic Soup Foundation. I asked myself why this is happening and I found out that plastic particles are what we call non-polar and oil is non-polar too. In chemistry, like attracts likes, which means non-polar things attract non-polar things. He had something... Something oh, called just, ferrofluid. Just scroll right past the bit I'm reading. One, yeah. He heard of something called ferrofluid, fluid, which was a kind of magnetic water uh, made by combining vegetable oil with magnetized iron oxide powder. In the same video presentation, he shows that oil attracts the microplastics and the immersion of a magnet sucked up that, the lot. I started out as a lonely inventor for Aerotog's BBC. After the Google Science Fair, I could all of a sudden speak to science scientists and they gave me loads of credit for what I've done. My idea was no longer a toy invented for a child and is now being practically used to um, get rid of microplastics in the sea, which is super, super important. Um, and uh, number two is uh, rescuers find lost dog, Ollie, 
actually quite pertinent because we've got Ollie Smith on the podcast again this week. Oh, do we? Um, after Swim of Portugal. This is the moment an IRNL crew rescued a spring special dog who went missing after going swimming in the sea. Ollie disappeared for three hours, sparking a rescue operation near Porthcawl, Bridgen County. The dog went for a paddle at Newton Point but failed to return to shore, instead to continu- continue to swim out to sea, said its rescuers. He was eventually spotted three miles away at the base of a cliff at Southern Down, Bell and Flamora Morgan, on Saturday just after 11.30 British Standard Time. We were delighted to find Ollie safe and well, having been spotted and assisted by a kayaker who had been in the area, said Simon M. Portugal RNLI. He seemed very happy to see us and enjoyed his ride on the lifeboat. Now, I'm wondering whether Ollie's out for a swim, his boat rides up and drags him out of the water. You go, what are you doing? I'm still, I'm still having a swim. Ollie was gone for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how, how long the uh, idea of swimming for a dog is. Maybe Ollie's Not that like... long. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, right. It's like Newfoundland. Right. And what, what I've just realised, even though we've moved on to Kindly's News, um, because of our state of um, uh, cold and flu, we haven't done the question of the podcast this week, have we, Russ? Producer Russ didn't remind us about QOTP. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so the question of the podcast this week is, what was your favourite Cluedo character? Wrong answers only. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just remembered last week. Why la- what happened last week? Last week we were recorded for this. <laughs> we were giving answers for this question. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Cluedo characters, wrong answers only is what we want. Um, uh, so who who do you think um, should be highlighted uh, as a character they should include in Cluedo? Um, uh, but um, don't yet. Yeah. And what was your answer, Russ? <laughs> can you remember from last week? I mean, listeners can... Go it and was, check, but it was the hooker in the library. The hooker in the library never played a game of Cluedo in his life. Doesn't realise its title and then colour, so he comes up with the prostitute in the library. <laughs> Woman of the night, just out of interest. The shelves, <laughs> just out of interest. What's she reading? <laughs> was that what? What's she reading in the library? I don't know. Okay, Fifty Shades of Grey. Right, right, okay. Wrong, wrong answers only on that, and we'll look forward to reading them out next week. That isn't included. The dead body. Yeah, no, no, no. The dead body has got a name. I can't remember what the name is. The dead body is a. No, it's. I'm pretty sure, and again, if any of our listeners know, they can let us know. But I'm pretty sure it's Mister Something. Yeah, it's the owner of the mansion. Yeah, but he's got a, a colour related name. I don't know, because black. Don't know. No. It might be black. Okay. Like, you don't get a little piece to put his dead body. No, and you won't be moving about that much anyway, <laughs> would you? Um, anyway, let us know and let's get on with the show. So. We had such an amazing chat with Ollie, Russ, didn't we? Um, that normally our interviews only stretch over two weeks, but because 
of the conversation we had with Ollie, which was, you know, very, we, we entered into quite a lot of interesting topics. We explored a lot of facets of mental health. Um, Ollie's uh, interview actually went over, is it going to be three weeks, right? Or yeah, four weeks? Right. This three is weeks. the last part. So, so this week, this week is the final week of um, Ollie's interview. Uh, Russ uh, uh, believes, I think, Russ, and correct me if I'm wrong, that this is probably one of the most insightful interviews we've ever done. Yeah, I think really so. open and honest conversation about mental health. I think, um, I think this is the most meaningful interview we've ever for done. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really hope, listener, that you benefit from uh, Ollie's insights, what he's gone through, his experience. If you haven't heard parts one and two of this, I'd really encourage you to check out the last couple of episodes and and and, and listen back before you listen to this one. Uh, but let's hear from Holly. But then this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Are we, you know, you know, failure and success? Who's defining that apart from us? You know, it's the it's in the perspective of success being I need to be in you know every day, otherwise I'm I'm a failure. Is an interesting debate to have, isn't it? Because surely happiness, well-being, and positive mental health, I'd argue, are probably more important. You know, you know, we you know, none of these things sit in isolation, and we all need to look after our families and make sure that we're financially secure and all of that sort of good stuff. Um, but is success the wealthiest bloke in the graveyard or is it somebody who has got the balance a bit more appropriate and actually is a bit more open and honest about their mental health? I don't know. I think it's a perfectly an, an excellent point to raise. I, yeah. I don't know what success is. I mean, I think I've been very... I'm still on that journey. I couldn't sit here honestly and say, oh, this is what success looks like to me. I mean, I think I could say that I, uh, I'm i quite desperate at the moment to be happy, whatever yeah. that means, and to probably feel a bit of a lighter burden there. And, you know, I think there'll be moments where achieving that for some significant amount of time involves a lot of hard work. You know, it, yeah. it does involve hard work. There'll be times where it, it means sticking a boundary down and saying, I'm not going to do that because yeah. right now I'm listening to myself and what my body and my mind needs. And it, that's the point about self-awareness, is that, that there won't be a catch-all solution for every situation. But if you're yeah. self-aware enough to understand what you need, you know where you should be pushing and where you should be giving ground for yourself, for other people, that's... Um, you know that's a much as much more effective toolkit than i suppose feeling buffeted by external uh, pressures for success you know as you say like you know i've got to have the nicer car because people won't respect me yeah, or, yeah. and then and then I suppose, I suppose i suppose that leads on to a question that's actually on my list it's two questions that are on my ollie we, we had to get back to the list at some point list. didn't we okay. um, what, what list chris <laughs> <laughs> we 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 know we've been ignoring the list for about 40 minutes but let's that's get back to organic. it now mate. um but I, I suppose i suppose um i, I was going to do it seamlessly ollie but i thought let's just mention the list again um i suppose one of the things is that um, perception of success in financial services and for blokes in particular. Do you mm. think that there's unique challenges for people working, you know, our field in uh, across a range of different jobs, or 
and or for blokes? I mean, I think the two, in, you know, the two are sort of inextricably connected, aren't they? Because okay. to the, you know, to this day, financial services remains an industry populated largely by men. I mean, clearly there's some progress there, um, but not enough. But to the extent that it is still a very male industry, um, I think it's going to have a disproportionate, you know, challenge on its hands. Um, I mean. If I'm to view, if I'm to have the Chris Dames opt optimism optimism hat on there, you know, you can spin that and say, okay, we've got tons of men here. We need to make leaders out of them and to promote that conversation. And I think there's one thing that's very visible in you know male mental health behaviour is that fear of judgment, and and fear of judgment by other men. And if you can knock that down using other men, you know, that's potentially a very very healthy thing to do. Um, I think at the more severe end of things, I, I do believe that, you know, among the primary victims of male mental health is not just men, it's women. Um, you know, if England, if England get beaten, so does she. Um, mm. That's not a financial services point, but in the sense that financial services is dominated by men. And to the extent that, you know, I'm quite firmly of the belief that in the sort of historical sense, you know, men have lost an empire and not quite found a role yet. And they're still having, as a species, they're having that in inward negotiation about what their purpose is in society. And that's really, really tough, particularly in the context that you mentioned at the start, you know, this sort of geographical co comparison between the UK and, say, Scandinavian countries. I mean, yeah. you know, Scandinavia has a very long and famous history of um you know colonial exploits and pillaging of the countries but you know it, it was over really by the 20th century yeah. <laughs> you know and that's not something you can say of britain so i think there's a, there's in terms of the history here and in terms of how history informs culture and understanding that is one thing that sets the uk completely apart and it's something that has really really been a force for kind of cultural reckoning in the last two years you know it doesn't even need saying this absolute tension over who controls the narrative of the past and what what the purpose of the nation is is patriotism okay blah blah blah, blah. these are all questions i think internalized within male mental health you know, because they're ultimately about control and they're ultimately about resources. And in a context where men are giving up control in the workplace, they're giving a voice to women, um, they're giving up control in their own lives because they're looking after their kids more. They're being more present as fathers. They're playing a much more holistic role in other people's lives as well. That's a very, very difficult transition i think and i probably covered a lot there in a very reductivist and quite rambling way but that's just a sense of how i understand these things to mesh together and i don't think i don't think there are any coincidences there really i think it, i think there's a there's a much bigger story there about men and history and transition and um, change and purpose that you know makes male mental health a really really significant challenge right now and to the extent that as i've said men dominate financial services is always going to be a huge part of of, of life in financial services gotcha gotcha i, I mean I, I i suppose a a, a an interesting thing for me is is comparing how um how uh can see my wife communicates with her friends about okay. topics like this uh, right. whereas for me it would be less of a less of a, a natural thing to do so cassie is 
um, always, you know, always communicating socially. I do that. It's an interesting one, Ollie. I've I probably over the last couple of years, and, it, and this is for me been sort of brought forward by the pandemic. I think I, I realised that I wasn't spending enough time with friends that didn't involve work. Um, okay. Uh, and there, there was a really there was a really interesting article in the in the papers probably about three or four years ago, and uh, it was all about um, it was all about. Um, uh, this guy who, you know, seemingly successful in his mid fifties, um, who turned around and said, "I've got no friends," um, and I think that's a brave admission to make. Mm. Um, uh, and brave. he 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 turned around and said, "You know, everything I do because I'm focused so much on work." Um, you know, I have, you know, I'm, I'm mates with people at work and friends, but I've got no friends outside of what I do for a living. Um, and and I, I suppose my, you know, informal observation, I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's any relevance to this at this point or not. I think actually women are just far better at maintaining those social bonds and making connections okay. um, and being more open and honest about some of the challenges they face because mm. i think as as men again we're trained um uh through what we see and 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 those, some of those sort of perceptions about um uh, to say, look, it's all right. I'll just crack on, and and, and there's mm. no issue. Now, the interesting thing is, I I was conscious about this in my own life, um, and started making a bit more of an effort, probably sort of three years ago, two or three years ago, to just spend more time with people I liked, and it wasn't work related. So I had that sort of separate identity, and I've been talking about the issue with with. The, like sort of blokes uh, who who were similar age to me, similar situation, and every and I said, look, sometimes you get to a point where you go, if I didn't have work, I wouldn't have any social connection, um, mm. and every single one of them said, I think I'm a bit the same, mm. and it's interesting, isn't it? That perception of friendship for women and 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 that, you know, work first for men. Um, is yeah something we need to get over I think for our own well-being I did some um, mental health first aid training at the beginning of 2020 and before the um, before the lockdowns and you know one of the key things you learn in there is about boundaries and you know and about what to do when someone comes to you and discloses something really difficult because you can't necessarily take everything on yourself it's not wise to shoulder that burden entirely um, you know so one of the kind of key questions here is someone comes to you and says you know look, i'm having an absolutely awful time here you know it's who knows about this and i think often the answer to that question is oh well you know I've spoken to dave in the kitchen at work or whatever you know i've had a chat with hr it's like no 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 no. who in your life yeah. outside of that setting knows about this you know have you told your mum have you told your dad have you told your brother and so often the answer is no and yeah. um you know that's certainly been a thing in my life where I've yeah. been afraid to tell people, you know, that are my blood relatives about the, the truth of what's going on in my life. But I mean, I think that brings me to another point that I found really, really beneficial um, on mental health and, and speaks to your point about, you know, coping strategies. For me, mental health is simply and utterly about the truth. It's about the truth. 
It's about telling the truth. It's about being courageous with the truth. And it's about making sure that other people know the truth. And, um, you know, if, if, if that means that you're in the situation where actually, as I was, I have, I have tons of friends, dozens of friends, because I'm a very, very sociable person. Not that many of them really knew the truth. You know, they, yeah. didn't, know that, not, they didn't know that I was getting out of bed and I hate myself and yeah. you know, I just didn't want to be there anymore. You know, the people in my family, they didn't know the truth about yeah. what was going on. And there's always... Was that a bit of a mask, Polly? Was that, was that something you felt you needed to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all to do with, you know, that success and failure dynamic. You know, my, my family, for context, everyone in my family went to Oxbridge pretty much you know that, and that's that's not something I really realized was tough until after the fact until after I went as well you know it's like that's a really really tough expectation see, on your shoulders and see, see this is the interesting thing Ollie when you come from a family like mine low expectations set you free <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't go wrong really <laughs> Well, I totally agree, and you know, I mean, I suppose on a serious on a serious level, would I recommend, you know, a, a high pressured, unfeeling academic institution like that? Yeah, it's interesting, very interesting. Because I would, yeah. I would rather them grow up in an environment and framework where they were comfortable with their truths. And uh, look, I, th- I think I think it all comes down to. I mean, I mean, as you know, I've got a daughter who's going to university next year, and uh, and it's it's. it's <laughs> It's fascinating. So she's academic. Mm. She's, um, you know, I, I I encourage her to to, to learn. And you know, you know, as you know, you know, sort of, you know, in terms of running a financial planning business, I do plenty of exams and mm. stay, you know, and 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 sort of encourage learning. But we were having a conversation the other day um, about getting the balance right between academia and happiness, mm. um, and making sure that. You know, she understands that yes, a good education provides good opportunities, but I care about actually her um, her enjoying the journey. Mm. Um, and mm. do you think that sometimes that pressure stops that enjoyment? I absolutely do. And in fact, you know, I'm not treating this as a therapy session, Chris, but I'll send you a check anyway because. <laughs> You know, having heard heard you just say that, I mean, it's abundantly clear to me now in this moment, you know, that it's not a coincidence that since I left university, I haven't done any exams. You know, there are people in my peer group who went on to do masters. You know, my brother did a PhD. Uh, you know, the, you go on to professional exams, perhaps if you become a you know financial advisor, as you say, or you go into you know a, a really um, you know high high-end graduate career like accountancy or consultancy yeah. you might do you know your, your accountancy exams or you might become a chart financial analyst or whatever it is i've done any of that and it's no coincidence that at this point in my life you know age 28 nearly 29 i'm i'm only just starting to reconfront this idea of academic growth because i lost out so much from people as a result of being so academically oriented and um one of the real challenges in the last 10 years has, has been balancing up, you know, people and work. And it's been brilliant for me to, to work for a company where people and work are the same thing. But that's not the, you know, it's not the end. 
it's not the end solution. And as I was just said, there have been plenty of moments where I've thought, hang on, the only people that know about this who are my friends are people from work. And actually, I should probably talk to someone outside of that setting who's going to challenge um, um, me on this issue. And we, we, we are privileged in that regard, aren't we? We do. I mean, so the, the, the profession we're in is a social one, which is great. You know, if you're like us and like people and mm. I, I want to be out there. But I think, you know, taking some of those conversations outside i mean certainly um certainly i'm grateful that cassie is you know we've got really open honest and 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 sort of uh relationship and and i think running the podcast with charlotte has has helped me um has helped me certainly um have some ridiculous conversations on this podcast if i'm frankly but also some quite insightful ones um, so um, I'll uh, provide the former. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, you know, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm pretty good at the former. The latter ones I struggle with, but I try and get the balance of, uh, right a little bit. So, I, I mean, I think one of the underlying threads of, of our conversation is we need to do more as a society mm. uh, and actually, um, and actually potentially, uh, um, you know, make sure that we're making fundamental underlying change so that we can help more people. Mm. I'm giving you a magic wand. Um, you can make uh, one change, set one law, you know, have, you know, your budget's unlimited, you can do whatever you want. What are you changing to make sure that we can tackle some of those societal challenges in a bit more of a meaningful way? Well, I mean, you know, to, to go from the, you know, the insightful to the ridiculous and i mean ridiculous because this is boring um and i don't want to be boring on your podcast but i need money chris you know I d this is a boring answer i need 50 billion quid you know okay. I, need, I need 50 billion quid to uh to revamp early years education and early years um care of vulnerable children and vulnerable families single parent families because it all starts at that point and the more you intervene and i've seen this myself you know volunteering in the local school the more you intervene early on and get it right the more you save both the individual but also i suppose just from a purely uh, taxpayer um uh focused interest the more you save the state you know and and that's what i mean by saying i want money because I suppose if I were to make this a non-financial argument, I would wave my wand and I would change the way people thought about this. And I would say, okay, stop looking at stop looking at mental health as a cost and as the inconvenience of you know for be it companies or departments within government or or even you know right at the top at number ten, stop looking at it as a as a burden on the bottom line. Because actually, I think when you spend that money early on and you do it right and you set up those dedicated mental health centres where people can you know, people from all walks of life and people with really, really troubling stories can get a bit of help. You're investing in people. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. You, you're investing in people's futures. You're giving people the benefit of the doubt and you're sending them the message. And this is a really, really key thing that, you know, I've benefited from, that they don't have to get it right the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we live in a country where people people with drug addiction or people with really really serious psychosis or you know incredibly challenging mental health problems and they are mental health problems they're treated like criminals and weirdos yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know they're they're not on their trajectories then they're, they're not going to get better or feel better first time around 
it will take yeah. significant and repeated interventions to get even a pragmatic outcome. Uh, but if mm. you approach this, approach it as an investment and as as a sacrifice, almost as a kind sacrifice in them, expecting nothing in return, you'll be surprised at how much people give back. And that's certainly been the case in my life where I, at my most despondent I've realized you know just how many people are batting for me and how how yeah. kind people have been to me and you know how I don't just owe it to them I owe it to myself you know to to carry on their example and to do it for the people and um I think so yeah if I were to wave my magic wand you know yeah there'd be 50 billion dropping out of the magic money tree for the for the actual infrastructure but it would be that change in mindset you know where people feel yeah. like they can be kind and that that is something that will pay off. It's not just something that will inconvenience them in the short term and that's just gone down the drain, that everyone will benefit. You know, giving up your time, giving up your ears, giving up a little bit of money, that could benefit not just you, but just everyone else. Well, yeah, I mean, a bit doing for everyone else. Society, doesn't it? Yeah. I, th- I think, I suppose that alludes to, a, to another sort of point so if you look at the way we educate our kids nowadays it's still a victorian education system for a modern mm. age isn't it mm. yeah, um yeah. I, I wonder whether you know some of these elements of you know do we teach our kids you know tools to impact positive mental health you know skills that might be practically applicable to live a happier life with a greater well-being at the sacrifice potentially of some of those more academic skills i think there might be a debate that's worth having but i think i think, I, the agree. Got, I think the challenge you've got is the financial implications of doing that but also the um the the huge cultural shift it takes to get from where we are now to to, to where we where we should get to but yeah um i'll uh i'll, I'll speak to russ and see if he can wave our magic money tree do you reckon we can find uh 50 billion for, for ollie russ or what i don't think we can <laughs> there's one thing i appreciate is realism <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, we uh, we go we like to go from the uh, from the deep to the completely ridiculous. If uh, Russ check check down the back of the sofa, see if you can find that cash for Ollie. I think that's absurd, mate. <laughs> that's right. I, I might um, find a penny or two, but I don't think we've got fifty billion down the back of the sofa. Um, are you going to come and say hello? You're desperate to say hello to Ollie, aren't you? Hello, Listen, how are you doing, for you, Ollie? Hi, hi, how are you doing? All right. So I'm halfway through an interview. She's off again. Um, uh, uh, right. So we have come to the end of our, our interview. Thank you so much for an incredibly insightful conversation. I've I've loved it. Um, help me understand if people want to find out about sort of the work that you do to promote those mental health conversations. Where can they find it? Um, if they're in a particularly sassy mood, find me on Twitter at 93 underscore smithereens. I can't guarantee it will just be about mental health. There may be some other personal opinions in there as well. Uh, if, if they're not feeling sassy and they want something that's genuinely professionally insightful, um, you'll always find uh, articles here and there on the New Model Advisor website. Um, so go to citywide.co.uk forward slash New Model Advisor. Just, or just Google it. Google it. Just Google it. Amazing. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate joining us today. Thanks so much. It's been really, really fun. I really appreciate it, Chris. 
And that's the last part of Oli. I just want to say a personal thanks to the legend that is Oli Smith uh, for coming on and talking to us about that. I really, I really appreciate that. And then let's move on with the show. Tis the end of another podcast. But it, the end is never really the end because the end is always the beginning. And, the and there is, and we're 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 filming this in our lounge. And um, I think my wife uh, Cassie has forgot her keys because she's banging on the window. And I don't know whether she's forgot her keys or she just wants to um, wants to interrupt and get involved in the podcast. I ain't got a clue, Russ. What do you think? I think that's the second meeting they've disturbed with. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, so the um, <clears throat> last week's question, and apologize, apologies again for all the coughing and spluttering. Last week's question in the podcast was, what's your favourite pun? Uh, and I'm going to let Charlotte answer these. <laughs> okay, John Cook said, why do Marks only drink herbal tea? Because all property is theft. <laughs> Uh, Hold on, wait for the laugh. All property is theft. Karl Marx, Rush, yeah? Communist joke. Ha, 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 Right, let's try the other one. Right, this is the, this is the mission. Get Russell to laugh. Without, uh, you, the mission is, you've got to get Russell to laugh. This is Mike Christie's attempt. So I found it a game of darts with my mate. He said, nearest the ball goes first. He went, bah, and I went, boo. He said, you're the closest. <laughs> that was a that was a breathless chuckle, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That was a breathless. I don't get a sneeze. I don't know if it was a laugh or a sneeze. Was it a laugh or a sneeze? Right? Uh, it was a giggle. A giggle. Ooh, yeah. We can do giggle. Let's see if we do. Uh... Uh, Johnny Piper said, "I have a pet amphibian. His name is Tiny because he's my newt." He's my new Russ, really small. Oh, oh no, he likes that one. He likes that one. I don't like that one. Uh, my newts, right? And let's go for so the winner of the making Russ laugh competition so far is winning. Uh, Johnny Piper's winning. If Gavin Agar's one gets a gavor, <laughs> then he's won. But if it doesn't, I think Johnny Piper's the winner. Uh, winner, winner. What's the difference between a buffalo and a bison? You can't wash your hands in a buffalo. No, I don't Tommy, was that, was that, that a bit of tumbleweed that, that just went by? Was that wasn't a bit of tumbleweed. I mean, he did, at the end of his comment, just put boom, boom. And I don't think you should have that if it's actually funny. No, yeah. I didn't get it. <coughs> right. So, oh, Basin. So, on that... <laughs> oh, Basin. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, what's weird is the pun didn't work, but Charlotte turned around and going, oh, Bison, <laughs> was really funny. In a carry-on voice. Yeah, it was, oh, Bison, oh, Bison. Um, anyway, on that note, oh, Bison, <laughs> on that note, that's right, the end. Right, so tis the end. Let's, t- t- let's go for it. Here's another chance to mock me. Oh, Bison. That is the end. Charlotte's <laughs> oh, ended it. And we'll see you again next week for another episode of TKP. With Bullman, Bullman Chris, Rise of the Teeth Dames, and Funky Charlotte. Speak to you later.